Well, here we are for the second part with um, our guest this week, Montgomery Delaney. And while we were taking our break, Bill took Montgomery, Monty, into the room there and showed him a really cool guitar that Bill picked up. And then Monty started strumming away. And he started singing a song. And it sounded so good that we figured, you know what? Why would we deprive our audience from hearing this beautiful music? So... <laughs> Um, I asked you what, what song you were playing. You, you, you were playing a, call, a song called 4-4, uh, right? It's a tune I wrote. It's called Ode to the 44th Precinct. Ode to the 44th Precinct. And I wrote about the night that uh, Rich Yang got shot. Um, you know, there were hundreds of police officers there at Jacoby to give blood and stuff. Mm -hmm. And Mayor Koch came just for a photo opportunity. Wow. And I, I thought it was just kind of like disingenuous, so I wrote the song about that. All right, so let me give you the intro the way we would on a, a regular talk show. And ladies and gentlemen, now for our musical guest, Montgomery Delaney. Officer Montgomery Delaney. <laughs> Officer Montgomery Delaney. Open up your locker, you put a blue suit on. You pin on a badge and you strap on a gun. You head downstairs, a young sergeant calling a roll. You look at your partner, it's the same old patrol. You check out your car and you hop inside. Roll out into another unknown night. The only goal that you want to attain is to make sure you both get hurt, it ain't a ever, ever pretty, they are quickly forgotten by an ungrateful city, I know my brothers, they will come for me, the mayor only shows up for the photo opportunity. Crackles in it, squad car, adrenaline pumps to my heart, a young heart. No get scribble, it's a ten four siren screams and your engine roars. Roll up on the scene, you got shots fired, junkie in a dream, he's strapped and he's wide. Jump for your cover, yelling, I dropped the gun. Junkie tries to raise it, never gets it done. Your finger flinches. Your hammer drops, the night lights up from the flash of the shots. Junkie goes down in a crumpled heap, ain't giving no statement to the IAD. Oh, it's just another battle in the never-ending South Bronx War. Oh, it's just another working night for the cops in the old 4-4. them streets you can smell the caper crime in the air like a toxic vapor hair on your neck is all standing tall you keep putting people up against the wall you turn the corner make some eye contact 
his feet start flying in. You don't look back as his stash hits the ground. Your foot hits the gas, you're up a one-way street and you're hauling ass. Car gets caught like a mouse in a maze. You tell yourself this one ain't getting away. After completion of a foot pursuit, you take a little time adjust his attitude. Oh, it's just another battle in the never-ending South Bronx War. Oh, it's just another working night for the cops in the old full fold. We can leave it there. There's more to it, but we'll leave it there. And what do you think, September 21st? Uh, September 21st, we're doing a show at Lucy's in Pleasantville. It's called Lucy's Lounge. We're going to be doing a live podcast up front. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a, a lot of guests that have appeared on the show stop in for five minutes, do a catch-up. And then we're going to do a comedy show, a stand-up comedy show, where Bill's going to perform, I'm going to perform, Andrew's going to perform. And if you could come and sing that song, man, that would be amazing. Oh, we'd, open with, we'd open with that, right? Yeah, that would be beautiful, That would be man. amazing. Love I love that song. Yeah. That was great. Yeah, there's another verse, two more verses and a bridge. But it's all, all, the, all the pictures in the song, you know, things that happen on the street. You know? there, there's a video. You have a video to that song, too. Yeah, you? you can see on my Facebook page uh, or on the 4-4 Precinct Blotter page. It's, uh, it's on there. Every couple of years, somebody asks me, can, can I repost it? You know, stuff like mm-hmm. that. I did a recording, but the recording's out of print. I got to redo it. The master of the recording got lost, and it just got rediscovered about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy who did the recording, he, he got in an accident and he needed to move to another house. So in, in moving, the wife found the master. It was uh, up in the attic for like 20-something years. And um, so I was able to take it to a, 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 an engineer. And there was only one song on, on the master that was kind of screwed up. He was able to fix it with today's technology. And uh, so I'm going to re-release that record. And um, also because the guitar player on that, a guy named Bob Novikoff, God bless him, God rest his soul, an amazing guitar player. We did this song, 10 songs, we did it live to that, we nine of them on the first take. And the guitar work that this man did on this, this uh, little recording was incredible. He's one of the greatest guitar players I've ever worked with, and uh, we lost him a few months ago. And I just spoke at his memorial service a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, you definitely have to do that, man. So, so in honor of Bob, I think I'm going to re-release it. You're uh, you're in demand in a lot of different areas as a singer, songwriter, as a speaker. Mm. Well, but we're not done yet because we yeah. we're not done yet because you also put your uh, your big toe in politics, didn't you? Yeah, I was asked uh, twice to run for um, the New York State Supreme Court in the Ninth Judicial District. I lost two pretty close elections. Um, you know, but it's difficult for I, I'm an independent, but I ran on the Republican line. And it's difficult in, in this in this judicial district for a Republican. So, but you know, when you say you ran for the Supreme Court, you talk, uh, you're talking about um, the state Supreme Court. State Supreme yeah. Court. You're talking about as a judge. You wanted to become right. a judge. Yes. Yeah. But you're a lawyer right now, right? Yeah. So you're not sitting a, a judgeship anywhere. I'm not just a lawyer. I'm a, I'm a damn good lawyer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying. I, I thought that you'd have to be. A, you don't have to be a judge first. No, no. You, you know what? What happens is that your colleagues get together, and if there's an opening in the, on the bench, and they try to decide. You know, they go through a bunch of names. So who would like to nominate for this? You know, so twice, uh, you know, uh, I was given a nomination, and I got to give credit to the Republican Party because I'm, and I'm an independent, and 
they gave me the nomination twice. And the first time they gave it to me, I said to the, the party leader, Doug Colty, I said, you know, Doug, if you think you're going to come to me five years from now and say, look, we got a case in front of you, we need you to do this, I'm going to tell you right now to go, go shit in your hat because that ain't going to happen. So to his credit, to their credit, you know, they gave me the nomination twice knowing that, you know, um, that it was going to be a straight up kind of thing. And, you know, I, I enjoyed my foray into politics, uh, local politics, but it's a blood sport. And it's mm-hmm. like for every one person I met that was in politics before I consider to be the right reasons, I met two or three other ones that I wanted to throw up against the wall and frisk, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so you see, you were mentioning about the uh, being asked to run for the state Supreme Court. Yeah, it was an honor. I mean, when your colleagues get together and they go through a list of people, they, they decide these people are qualified for this. And then they ask you. I mean, it's... Uh, it's an incredible honor. I mean, for a kid from the Bronx, you know. Uh, well, you mentioned, you joked that you're a damn good lawyer. What kind of law are you practicing? I'm a trial lawyer. I do civil and criminal trials. You know, I, in, uh, you know, I've. Uh, Defense attorney? No, I'm, I, I represent plaintiffs. I represent people who are up against, you know, municipalities, hospitals, uh, insurance companies. I, I'm like David fighting Goliath. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, I've been successful with the sling a few times. <laughs> and you're up here? Yeah, I'm up here. Where's your office? is in White Plains. White Plains. And, um, you know, I've been practicing. I don't, I don't advertise. My practice is all word of mouth. It's very busy. And, uh, you know, I'm very proud of, like, you know, I have a couple of cases that uh, come to me from jurors who sat in a jury that, where I tried a case and they called me a year later. They had a problem. They called me. But I've got cases that Supreme Court, sitting Supreme Court justices have referred to me. I'm very proud of that. Just, you know, a judge sits in a courtroom and sees lawyers all day long. You know? mm-hmm. So the fact that they would send me a case, somebody in their family, that's uh, a big, uh, it's a very uh, big feather in my cap. I'm very honored by that. So I remember I asked, I told you I got a very important question to ask you. Mm-hmm. So I figured I'll ask you now. Um, so you were an athlete mm-hmm. in high school and in college. Mm-hmm. Then you joined the military. So you were also, not only were you an athlete, but then you were also a soldier. You were a cop. I wasn't a soldier. You were a Marine. Right. You were a Marine. <laughs> so you were an athlete, you were a Marine, then you were a police officer with the NYPD. You were in the music business, on the radio. Yeah. Well, you're a musician. Yeah, I've been singer. on the radio. Just... But you also have a, your own radio show. I have my own radio show, WVOX. Okay, uh, and you got involved... Dipped your toe in politics. Well, Fourteen sixty-eight. <laughs> yeah, I was like on a the show. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, something I wasn't when I was on the show. Though I'm not used to not being able to say curse words, so uh-huh. I had to be. All right, so here we go. This is the question. This is the question I wanted to ask you. Out of being an athlete, a marine, a cop, a singer, on the radio, and politics, which one, out of all these different things that you did, which one is the easiest to get laid? <laughs> <laughs> Like, where oh. did you score the most? That's, that's, that's an easy question. Yeah. Go ahead, fire M- away. Music. Really? Oh, music. Ground ball, right? Guy my size singing these, like, tender songs, love songs. Uh-huh. They just, the women just love they it. Melt. Uh-huh. They, they just melt. love it. I thought you were going to say cop. Oh, I, you know, and, and the, the more I write poetry, the more I, I, I delve into, like, you know, uh, love songs and things like that that I write. Um, I mean, I, I think that, you know, 
if they were to do an autopsy on me next week, they might even find an ovary. Somewhere. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm so in touch with my feminine side too, these days. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm like a big I blubber, pussy. man. I cry uh, when I watch shows. You know, I used to beat the crap out of people. Now I'm like, you know, you know, I want uh-huh. to tickle them with. The I think feather. you could do both. Mike yeah. Tyson used to cry before he got in the ring. Yeah, because yeah. he used to feel bad for how bad he was going to beat this yeah. guy. <laughs> but um, he was vicious. Yeah. I mean. So, and you mentioned that you thought it'd be cop. No, cop is on the to- a cop is probably on the bottom. Well, cop, cop, is- cop. If I if I wanted to, but mm-hmm. I was married when I was a cop. Uh-huh. So the blue magnet. Yeah, but I I mean I had lots of offers. I mean. I wouldn't. I would. I could go down to Puerto Rican Day Parade and get you know ninety seven phone numbers if I wanted. You know, but uh, I just took. I just admired the beauty of the women without. Uh, well, you were married at that time. I was married at the time, but there were guys. I mean, there was there's a couple of guys in my precinct that uh, that have kids walking around the in precinct. The that, you know, that, <laughs> yeah. uh, that that went that route. Community uh, it was, policing. It wasn't. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't for me. It wasn't for me. Thank you very much for the offer, but uh, no, thank you. And you said that you. What was it? What, exactly how you said? You said you met a couple of politicians that you were okay, but most of them. There were some of them that were just horrible people that were in it for the wrong reasons, in my estimation, you know, just for themselves and not to really help the public at large, you know. You know, and I went from. You know, I'm a, I'm a relative, Why is it so relatively cut successful throat? lawyer. Mm-hmm. I would have taken a big cut in pay had I gotten elected. Yeah. Know? Why um, is po- po- um, politics so, like, um, aggressively. Just a, well, that's the word I'm looking for. It's just, it's a tough, it's a really tough racket to get in. Well, look at who's in politics. Look at people who have been at, like Nadler and Maxine Waters, people mm-hmm. like that. Politics attracts people that want to get on the public tit mm-hmm. and stay there for as long as they possibly can. Yeah. You know, the way I did it, to spend your whole life serving the public and then to go into politics late in life. That's different than you know trying to become a, a, a congressman when you're 30 and then staying there for 30 years. You know? mm-hmm. And then when you look down at Washington, the absolute worst people that are there are the people that have been there way too long. Right, you mm-hmm. know? that's for sure. These people are walking, talking advertisements for term limits. And yet, for some reason, these ignorant people in the districts that they live in uh, vote them in again and again and again. I mean, Elijah Cummings is just, it's just he's being exposed now. Mm-hmm. He's being exposed. You know, I got one of my kids from Salesian is a homicide detective, sergeant of detectives down in Baltimore. And he's a black kid, a black man now. He's, a, you know, and he's, he, it's, he'll tell you it's a shithole there. I mean, he'll tell you what's going on there. And um, he sent me this great T-shirt. Hey, coach, I got a T-shirt for you. He sent it to me. It's on the front. says Baltimore homicide. And on the back it says, our day begins when your day ends. <laughs> <laughs> They stole that from us. That so, was the NYPD. That's, that's Sergeant, uh, Ke- Sergeant Kevin Brown. Hope you hope you down. I hope you keeping your wits about you. Keep your head out of your zipper, kid. You know, it's amazing. One of the things that politicians do is like they don't care about truth. They'll just lie about something to appease a certain group of people, mm-hmm. and that that's disturbing because yeah. those lies can start riots and they can really hurt the other side. Yeah. Like. Um, Pocahontas, I can't even remember her name. Warren. Well, Warren, yeah, Warren. She, Warren. she brought up the um, Michael Brown shooting to try to appease... Absolute bullshit. Uh, yeah, exactly. Hands up, don't shoot. And, right, and the whole thing was a lie, and, yeah. but she's trying to rewrite yeah. history. Oh, yeah. They'll and, keep they'll keep pumping that crap into people's brains as long as they're listening yeah. to it. You know? Nobody knows what's true anymore. Thing. It's hard to Nobody remember what's, what's true. true. Right, it's true. Well, Michael well, Brown, ladies and gentlemen, is not true. <laughs> bullshit. There's so much misinformation... 
And then you're only getting it from whatever right. side you particularly uh, you fall with. That's well, I, what you're looking at. That's the coverage you're following. Well, I know Bill told me that you guys had discussed the Garner matter, but I, there's a couple observations I have about that. That you know, I, hit, I, I one observation that comes to me completely. I I believe in this so strongly. Years ago, when when we got out of the car, right, we had a nice uniform on, maybe a tie, you know, and shine shoes, crease pants, nice shirt. But we had a stick under our arm that most of us spent the first year of our career out in the street on a, on a foot post learning how to twirl it. twirl it like a ninja, right? Mm -hmm. So you get out of the car with that stick and you twirl it like a ninja and you snap it under your arm like that and you got four or five cops standing around you with a stick under their arm, it creates a completely different situation for a perp. You know, he's going to think two, three, four, five times before he does something stupid. Now they have these telescoping wands on the belt that nobody can see. There's no visual deterrent there. Not only that, some of them are five feet, five inches tall. I don't blame them for that. That's what God, how God made them. But years ago, you guys, they were, they were big guys. You had to be six feet. You had to be big. Had, I think it was all, five ten. We had all big guys. So with Eric Garner, they would have said, if it was my time, they would have said, uh, you know, for Charlie the Central, get uh, Delaney and Kafalis over here, two two cops that were his size, mm -hmm. had a completely different conversation with this man, mm -hmm. you know? And if I had to use that maneuver on him, it would have worked. What happened here is, you know, that's a leg sweep maneuver. Pantaleo's like 5'8", five, 5'9", five, inches tall. This guy's 6'6". Six, six. He can't get the leverage to take this guy down and use that maneuver properly. You need a big guy to take the guy down. So... People say, oh, he did something. He did nothing wrong. He did what he was trained to do. He executed the maneuver poorly, but he did nothing wrong, you know. And for them to fire him, I, I, I just, I'm really upset about that. I'm, and, you know, Jimmy, if you listen to me, I think it was a bad decision. You know, you know look at how uh, all of us have probably been, and, and both, been in and fights. And J.O. and Terry Monahan are both 4-4 four, four four, cops, four too. guys, yeah. yeah. But, you know, all of us have probably been in fights during our police career, maybe even a fight for your life, that yeah. there's no rules. There's, the rules there's no the rules. Window. And for them to say, you weren't trained to do that. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, before I met the police department, I learned how to fight. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't need you to tell me what I can do, especially if I'm fighting for yeah. my life. Somebody's got you in a headlock and they're trying to gouge your eye out with their thumb. You know what I mean? Right. The tactics that you learn in the academy go out the window. The Geneva Convention is, is done. Done. Right? Done. People don't get that. People don't understand that. And now that I said, I read something in the paper the other day that they want to ask people a question before they before they arrest them. You know, something yeah, like this. Yeah. Like, you mind if I arrest you? You mind if I arrest you or something like that? It's, it's yeah, ridiculous. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's this progressive stuff is destroying progressive policing. liberalism. It's destroying it policing, it and they're putting uh, cops in real danger. So, and now I see these videos all the time on the internet where people are saying, "I don't answer questions," and the cops are walking away from the car. Okay, which if, if you're listening to these idiots, ladies and gentlemen, in the public, you, let me tell you something. If a cop sees you go through a light or not use your, your directional or go through a stop sign, he doesn't need to ask you any questions. He can lock you up for that. He doesn't give you a summons. The summons is a courtesy that he extends to you so you can go on your way. But if you don't want to answer questions, he can lock you up for that. So just a word to the wise. You want to listen to these libertarian morons tell you about the Fifth Amendment. They might not be giving you the best advice. Right. Listen to the attorney. A summons is issued in lieu of arrest. That's right. right. It's in a lieu of arrest. In it's lieu. a courtesy. L-I-E-U, so, not L-O-U. <laughs> and if a cop sees you go through a light or go through a stop sign, he doesn't have to ask you any questions at all. 
So right. we ask you for your license registration. You should just give it to him. Uh, yeah, well, isn't that, there was a video guy says, I'm an emancipated citizen or something yeah, like that. I'm, 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 <laughs> Jesus Christ. And the cameras say, I mean, if you seriously, if you pointed a camera at me 34 years ago, you would need to hope there was a camerologist at Lincoln to remove from the anus. You get one warning on a camera. I can yeah. remember smashing them. They were big VHSs. I can yeah, remember yeah. like taking them off people's shoulders and just smashing them in the street. That's obstruction. You're making me hesitate from doing my job. You know, you get one warning on that. Then you and your camera are going to get collared. Right. You know, right. we didn't fool around with that stuff. Yeah, it's a much, much different job now. Much, much. I don't know how to do it. I have utmost respect for these young kids. Some of them. Show great well, if restraint. you go around the country and you look at the, the the states with the biggest homeless problem, the biggest drug problems, they're all run Democrats. or being led by by people that yeah. they voted for, these yeah. Democrats. And no. you take San Francisco, you take Los Angeles, you take Chicago's homicide rate. Now we look at uh, Baltimore and what what a disaster that place is and yet they're getting billions of dollars in in funding from the federal government and nobody seems to know where this money's going right, right. there's a there's a state where some moronic politician wants to disarm the police right <laughs> I, I i just can't wrap my head around well that. they do it it's in just... britain britain the cops don't have guns but they have yeah, they're, but start, they're, they're starting on them now yeah but in yeah. britain they're, they're, they're very polite the officers <laughs> they are. And you'd be surprised how much that works. <laughs> I was watching videos on that. Sir, I'm telling gun. you, go on go, go, go on uh, YouTube and just watch watch um, the UK police, the London yeah. police officers, the bobbies over there. And I saw this guy getting hit with a head with a crowbar. I was over a, a car accident. And then you hear whoop, 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 whoop. And somebody's recording as the bobby gets out of the car. And he's excuse me, gentlemen, uh, would you mind stop uh, and not hit him in the head with the, oh, the pipe goodness. anymore? And the guy goes, why? Sorry, officer. <laughs> and the whole thing a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's going to happen in New York. Yeah, a couple of years ago, they sent the executive uh, branch of the NYPD to Scotland mm -hmm. to study their use of force. Because mm -hmm. they also don't carry guns. I thought it was so pathetic like you're comparing watermelons to apples. Yeah, you know it's a what different I mean? cultural. Yeah, right. And there's I'm joking, of but guns here. Listen, and, you know. there is something to be said about hey, yo, come over here and excuse me, sir. There is a slight difference to I say agree, with, with you. what you're gonna. And you also mentioned the the uniform. I'm a hundred percent in agreement with you. When you when you look at you know two cops rolling up, and I know they have to be in plain clothes, but they got football jerseys on. Everybody knows they're cops. There's a certain swag that comes along with it. And not even those guys, because those guys are in plain clothes. They have to blend in. But let's look at. The cargo pants or whatever those uh, those parachute pants yeah. are with all the pockets, which they need, by the way, which they need. Um, and just uh, nobody knows who's wearing a shirt with a tie. Are they wearing a turtleneck? Yeah. What kind of uh, jacket are you wearing? There's three type of jackets. It's called the uniform of the day. Yeah, it was on it was on the, the sprint every every morning. What you were wearing that day, they told you to wear a long sleeve shirt with a tie. Right, right. Yeah. But you know something? The other thing, we found out even years ago in disorder control, and I think Louis Anamone, who was the chief of department, he took over some of the biggest riots in the city and quashed the riots. Because one of the things you have to do in disorder control and also with good policing is to arrest and get them off the street right. fast. Fast. Mm -hmm. Don't, you know, 
dance with them out there. I was in the test force, yeah. Lock them up, get them the hell out of there. Get them out of there, right? Because your exposure on the street, body snatches. Yeah, exactly. And all the people getting riled up are going to get worse and worse and worse. Take action. Get the perp off the street. Use as much force as you have to get them out of there. We had a we had a situation. We had a girl in the car. It was a warrant. The guy who raped her warranted out. Now she was scared because he didn't go back to court, and he's still. So we put her in the in the car. We drove by. They're playing with a fire extinguisher. We scooped that. It took probably six seconds. The guy was on top of the fire hydrant with the can. You know how they're, they're blowing it. We we came in from both sides with the vans. I jumped out, grabbed this guy, threw him in the van, closed the doors. We took off. Body. We just. Right. <laughs> he was gone. No one had a chance to never, object. By to the your, time they yeah. blinked, sure the guy was wet. Everybody got a little Especially wet. Especially with camera stuff. You don't be walking around praying to perp around. Right. Just get him in the car and get out of there. You know? Yeah, you know, it's too and, much and talking. That's, that's the key too much to, to stopping a riot too. You see these areas like Portland. They let them do whatever they want. Yeah. The, the key is to. Get the leaders, collar them, get them out of there. Yeah. Now you have a headless horse. If you have probable cause, just lock them up. That's yeah. it. You don't have to talk to them. You don't have to ask questions. You don't have to give them their rights. You know, nothing. There's something lock about the uniform, though, looking... You're giving their rights in the station. Looking squared away. When you're squared away like that, there's yeah. a certain amount of respect that comes it's called, with it's it. It's called military bearing. And it, it, it does have an effect. Now, I, I picture, picture me, picture the three of us standing around Eric Garner on that street in Staten Island. With, our, with the uniforms that we wore, like a shirt and a tie, and our sticks under our arm. That would have, that situation would have had a completely different outcome, just by virtue of the fact that uh, how we carried ourselves, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it would have had a completely different outcome. And these uh, they got to get rid of these little wand things. No good. Yeah. You're going to carry a stick, Class. carry a stick. I think it's called the baton. That it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's a stupid yeah. thing. Well, look, you, like you mentioned earlier, you can't see it. You could hide it in your belt. It's not intimidating, visually so intimidating. No visual they don't want you, if, you go, if you're having coffee, they don't want a police officer coming in there because it might make them nervous, wondering if there's something going on, is there a crime, is there something I should be alerted to? Right. No, the cop wants to get coffee. Well, he's got a gun. What happens if it goes off? Yeah, yeah. That's what people actually yeah. think, and they make a complaint somewhere, and there's that's somebody called, on the that's other end. The Starbucks effect. You, you should do yeah, it. Yeah, if yeah, you make a complaint yeah. like that, there should be somebody with with an open palm to just smack you right. Get the fuck out of well, here. Let me tell you. Funny, you let me tell you a funny smack story. We're sitting in the Omar car, my partner and I were anti-crime in the fourth floor, <laughs> and it's a day t- shift, and a lady comes up to us. Is your police officer? Yeah, we're police officer. She says, "Officers, they're in the alley over there, the abandoned building." And there's a line of junkies in the alley, and they're selling drugs through a hole in the wall. Mm-hmm. So there was nothing on the radio. I said, Steve, you want to do something about this? We'll, we'll grab the guy, and we'll give him to one of the sector cars. You know? So Steve's Puerto Rican. So he goes in the alley. He gets on the line. You know, And, <laughs> and he, when it comes to his turn, he, he gives the guy like 10 bucks. Uh-huh. And the guy gives him like a bag of heroin. And he grabs his arm and handcuffs him to the junkie behind him. So now the guy's like caught between a hole in the wall. They can't go anywhere. Uh-huh. The one junkie and, the, and the, guy, the guy in the hole. We'll go in and get him later. We'll let the junkie go, right? So I come in the alley. And there's a long line there. And there's this white guy at the line. He's like, you got nothing better to do. I pay your salary and all the crap that you hear all the uh-huh. time, you know? And I, I told him to shut up a couple of times. And he kept talking. And I finally I just went up to him. I just smacked him, open-handed him in his face. He says, you open your mouth again, I'm going to smack you again. So he started talking again. I smacked him again. I said, listen. <laughs> I said, you're a disgrace to your family. You're a disgrace to your race. You're a disgrace. Uh-huh. You better get out of this alley and go. If I'm going to come back here in like 10 minutes. If I see you in the neighborhood on the street, you're going to Lincoln Hospital, the emergency room. Not for a couple of hours, for a couple of days. Don't let me see you again. He goes. 
And back then, we, we didn't just make idle threats either. We would, you know. <laughs> he goes, like five, six years later, I come in to the station house. You know, you salute, you salute the lieutenant, right? So I salute the desk. And I, He's oh, the mayor. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like you would think that. So I, I call the lieutenant. Lieutenant says, the guy over there, suit and tie, he's got something for you. I said, I think it's the process service. Somebody's suing me again, right? Uh-huh. I go up to the guy. I said, I'm Delaney. You got what, papers for me or something? He says, no. He says, you don't remember me? I said, no. I don't. Why <laughs> would I remember you? He smacked the shit out of me in the alleyway. <laughs> he changed my whole Why life. would I remember you? I said, you know, an alleyway over there. And then you slapped me a couple times. I was a disgrace. <laughs> and I left the alley and I walked to Lebanon Hospital. And they got me in a program, and then I stopped using drugs and drinking, and and I haven't had dr- drink or drugs since then. And I, I just came back here today to like apologize to you, and to thank you. Uh, and I was <laughs> like, I was, the shit out of I was flabbergasted. I don't I don't know how to respond to this guy. Uh-huh. See, so, street justice you know works. Yeah, so so we talked for a few minutes, and he goes to leave, and I said his name is Brendan, and I said, listen, Brendan, uh, I really appreciate you coming. And I appreciate hearing that. I said, listen, if you decide like you want to use drugs again, just come back here. I'll slap the shit out of you again. again. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. You know what? Honestly, there's probably a a bunch of drug addicts that if they should just get in line and instead of getting their heroin. Yeah, you you standing there and you're just slapping the the shit shit out out of them. Open hand. Open hand is the best thing, man. Yeah, Yeah, it'll wake you up, man. Wakes you up and it humiliates the hell out of you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, getting slapped like is, is humiliating. Him, you know, like that's yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, man, that's that's a great story. But you know, today you I can't. I can, do count, that. I can count the times I've hit my kids ever. You know, my oldest guy, thirty-seven. When he was four years old, I took him to the Museum of Natural History. It was like, you know, I was a young cop. I had like Tuesdays off. It was yeah. horrible, right? Rainy Tuesday, take him to the museum. He wants this plastic dinosaur, uh-huh. and he starts to take this like fit. So I said to him, I stopped. I tried all the Doctor Spock shit. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, Matt, this really isn't the way to go about this. You know. Kept it up, got worse and worse. I said, Matt, this, don't, don't do this with Dad. Do this with your mother, don't do it with me. Okay? It's a bad move on your part. <laughs> and he, then he starts into this like epileptic seizure kind of fit, you know, like this is bullshit. I said, Matt, you keep it up, I'm going to give you something to cry about, like your father would say to you, right? He keeps it up, you know, like on the floor, he's writhing like a, <laughs> I pick him up, turn around, and I whack him in his ass. I really good whack in the ass because no sound came out. You know, when no sound yeah, comes out, yeah, yeah. you got whacked him good. So, so, I'm there in the museum of natural history, and this little dweeby guy comes up to you and goes, if you touch that child again, I'm going to call the police. I grabbed him by his shirt. I said, I'm the fucking police. I said, don't get involved, asshole. Put him against all. Oh, I'm going to slap you yeah. like the guy in the alley so, so, in the 4-4. Yeah, yeah. That was before that happened. So I got out of there real quick. But I was like... Not today, you know, if you did, they would identify you. They would search the five boroughs for you to identify They use you. facial recognition. They use oh, facial, yeah. yeah. They get all the video from the museum. Oh, he was on police off the cuff. We got him. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's really like revenge of the nerds. I am the police. And the nerds have taken over. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I was I was on Fox the day after Detective Wu's funeral. And uh, what is the, her name is Nomiki Kantz. She's like a liberal leftist talking head on, on, the, on the news and stuff. And she said, oh, well, you know, they had his funeral yesterday. It was just very disrespectful. Hundreds, a couple of hundred cops turned their back on the mayor. And I was like, I was there. And it wasn't a couple hundred. It was 30,000 cops turned their back on the right. mayor, mm-hmm. you know. And we didn't turn our back on him as much as we turned our back on this ridiculous and false narrative that the police service is inherently racist, which is the kind of shit that you people want to, you know. Force well, on, on, on the public, which is nonsense. It's I mean, bigger than the police force. Did you right ever now. meet a cop that went into the, that said to you in the locker room, 
Hey, let's uh, let's go out and beat somebody today. No, it's never happened. Let's go shoot somebody today. Let's go choke somebody today. It never happened to me. You know, you anybody? No. It's the dumbest thing. It's, it's the dumbest it's thing, the perception and what they create. And, but they have to the create thing, that. They have, have to create ever, that. Did you ever answer the radio and say, oh, listen, uh, Fort David, we've got a, 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 a victim, uh, an 80 case on 167th Street and uh, College Avenue. Did you ever say, well, Central, what is the race of the victim? Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, it's ridiculous. Before you head over. Yes. Yeah. No, it's just nonsense. You know, it's, you know, I think no one understands that better than cops, that you've risked your life for many people, whatever their race is, that doesn't come into play. But these talking heads, you know, they yeah. just want to create this horseshit oh. and they want to sell it to the public. It's, some, it's disgusting. Some, some of my liberal friends, my black friends on Facebook, I say it all the time, I've done more for the black community than any one of you. You know, mm-hmm. I've held people's intestines in. You know, yeah. I've, uh, I've given mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. I've, I've protected them from each other, you know. Yeah. I've been out there to keep order in their neighborhood so they can live peacefully. We I mean, locked up the people that killed their up, loved ones. That's right. You know? I locked up the bad people. I mean, so don't tell me that I'm some kind of like, you know, uh, that I'm the the man. Yeah. You know, I'm the man, the the, the the white man or whatever. You know, the, the, I'm not. That's not who I've ever, I've ever been. I've been out there helping people. That never came into play as you being an attorney either, I'm sure. No. What, what do you mean in terms of... Of being a racist uh, no, attorney. Yeah, no, that would That no. would work, right? <laughs> but that's that's a label they throw at everybody today, you know? I say whenever they want to stop a conversation, they use the, the racist. Yeah. You know, they'll say... What, they think that happen? paralyzes the conversation. What's going to happen is that term is going to lose its meaning. Yeah. Eventually. You say that, but... I don't see it. It's not losing any steam yet. You'll always stop and look at the person and then make a, make a decision. Who are they talking about as a racist? And you look at him and, like, obviously you're going to go to every single stereotype that you're aware of. Because that's another thing we, they're trying to get rid of. Like, you know, the, your, your, your brain creates uh, what, what we know as a stereotype. It's just because it happens so often. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That it's, you're preventative. You're preventing it. So you, you look at, oh, he's a white guy. He's got to be racist. So it's it's well, stuck some, with you. It's stuck with you. Some people think that that's it, like the false thought. You know that uh, everybody has, everybody that doesn't look like them is a racist. Mm-hmm. But when I think of some of the things I've seen white police officers do for a black citizens or in the street in the middle of the night when nobody's watching, it just makes me proud to to be a cop. You know, mm-hmm. and when I think of the crap that my black brothers had to put up with on the streets sometimes, getting called Uncle Toms and uh, high yellow people and stuff like that, just getting berated by their own community because they're just out there trying to set an example and make things better. I, I just It breaks my heart sometimes when I, I would see that stuff, you know? Yeah, or like there's a shooting in your neighborhood where your mother and your sister and your aunt and your grandmother walks and you know something about it. Why wouldn't you give information? Because snitches get Some snitches. crazy guy just got out of prison. Now he's doing robberies again. He might attack somebody in my family. How am I a snitch now? Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm not involved with him. That's being a snitch. If the two of us are dealing drugs together and uh, I get caught, so I give you up, that's a snitch. Well, that's where community policing comes in. You know, like, that's where the old lady who sees you on the street will wink at you from the window and, and say, come up, you know, like, come up and talk to me in a few minutes when all this blows over, you know? Mm-hmm. Because uh, they see you out there, the good people see you out there, and the good people, you know, they, they will still, you know, they'll put themselves in jeopardy sometimes to make things better. And that's ha- that happened to me a lot of times in the street. I always try to treat people with respect, 
especially kids and the old people. Every time I had the patrol cars, I used to throw a couple like sort of sprinklers in the in the trunk in the summertime. So if I'd see the, the kids, cap, yeah, the cap. Yeah. So I'd open up the hydrant for the kids. You know, I'd let the kids come in and play with the siren and and, and the uh, loudspeaker in the patrol car. You know, always. You know, if if you had a minute or two in a crowd of kids, just always stop and get them ice cream or something like that. You know, it uh, makes all the difference in the world in terms of like, you being out there in that precinct every day on the same streets. You got to get to know the people. And I also wanted the people in the fourth floor to know that I grew up there. Well, it wasn't just that I came from another place. Right. I grew up there. I went to Sacred Heart. Well, know, look at stuff like Operation Impact and how that destroys community relations. First of all, you take a bunch of cops that are out of the academy. They don't even know how to do police work yet. Right. And then you stick them like at 125th Street. And they're, all they're there is to lock up shoplifters. Just to arrest and write summonses. That's right. it. They don't. They never get to meet other than the store owners on 125th Street. Uh, obviously, it's omnipresence, but you're not really creating. You know that that cop should go to a precinct, and that cop that should be getting that, taught by other cops. That was the compstat thing. That you know, just numbers, so, numbers, numbers. But you know. every move yeah. that the department makes. It always winds up being like a, like a really stupid move towards, you know, you want to build community relationships, but we still have to write summonses. It's also, too, where you get the cops from. Like, when I was on, in the 80s, most of us were from the Bronx. You Brooklyn, should be from Queens. New York. You now, should live in the city. they started hiring guys from, like, bum screw New York. Maybe never saw black people. Maybe never interacted with them. Or they come down here people. and they don't care about the neighborhood. Yeah. Like, you know, who gives a shit about this? I'm going to go drive home an hour. I'll be, yeah. I'll be yeah. out of this in a little well, while. Years ago, we had that kid. Uh, what was his name? Scott... Uh, Waddell, was it? Scott Goodell. Scott Goodell. And he was killed in an alleyway in 101 by, by an animal, Robert Rolson, this West Indian guy. Uh, he fired all the rounds from his revolver, and he was, I think, in the process of trying to reload it when Rolston came up to where he was taking cover and just killed, executed him. And I thought, you know, here's a kid from the five towns of Long Island, and they take him out of the academy, and they put him in a, in a, in a, in a very dangerous place. The 101 was a very dangerous place at the time. You know, if you want to hire people like that, take them and put them in Riverdale for a couple of years. You know, right. you know, uh, take them and put them in. Uh, well, he did something though flushing. that they, they teach you at the range to never do, and that's to bury your head in the gun. Bury, like yeah. they well, also you, too, you it's like keep your head up. Close yeah. it. You got to feel for like, for example, if obviously if you're Asian, you might be more useful in Chinatown than the 109. Right. Just because you know how to speak Mandarin or Cantonese, right. you know, you might be more resourceful there. Right. But you can't do that all the way around because let's just say you're an African-American officer and you grew up in Brownsville. Do you really want to go and spend, you know, the next 10 years in another shithole? Well, you see, I find that I, I found that when I was on a job, most of the black and Hispanic officers who were from the city wanted to do exactly that. They mm -hmm. wanted to set an example for their community. They wanted other kids in the community to see, look, mm -hmm. you can you can live this way. But I could see it the other way. I could see it the other way. Like, why, why, why do I have to answer 100 radio calls a night? I, I, I want to be in the 111. Why, why do all the white cops get to go there? Well, you know, that's their argument. Then you're on the job for the wrong reason. I know, but it, it is, I understand that argument. Like, why am I over here? Why? Just because I'm black or just because I'm Spanish? That's where you become more useful in your own, like in a community where, you know, they could see a person there like themselves and want to go up to them and talk to them. 
Yeah, when, when, I, when they sent me to the 4-4, I said, they put me here because I'm Irish. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, when yeah. I grew up there, it was an Irish neighborhood. Highbridge was an Irish, yeah, yeah. Irish neighborhood. It was one string of bars on the all, all the way down from University Avenue down to the. Uh, the, the well, you know, it's funny. Uh, Hispanic women love Irish cops. They do. They make beautiful babies too. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't a, know about that. I know, a couple of my, a couple of my buddies in the four four married beautiful Spanish girls. They got beautiful kids. You yeah. know, they're doing okay too. I had a friend. Uh, I have a friend. Incidentally, uh, Latin women are the best detectives in the world. If you marry a Latin woman, you can expect to be thoroughly investigated. Oh, yeah, well, we had our, listen, we had our every show every we freaking there. girl thinks just because they can catch their boyfriend cheating on them right now off of social media that they'll be great detectives. I mean, relax. There's more to it than that. <laughs> but you're off to a good start. You're off to a really really good start. You know what I'm saying? You know how to at least do the computer work. Yeah. <laughs> you got to get out in the street and get the hands. Asian dirty. women are even better than them today. Because they're yeah. geeky, you know. You know, I had a, a I have a friend, and he's he's a big fan of the show. But he says to me, "Oh, you know, you guys should get some people in there that disagree with you." And I had to tell him. I said, "Listen, first of all, I've known John Pellucci and Eric Reynolds slightly. All the other guests, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So they're free to come in with their own opinions. Um, we're not picking people, or uh, you know, going through pedigrees and who's going to agree with us." Mm-hmm. Police officers come in all different shapes and sizes. True. Um, you know, you could talk to cops that came on the job now that think the Central Park Five, they were innocent. You know, there's just so many different things. Right. The idea that we're picking people out that we're going to get along with or agree with, is, it's absurd. That's not the way it's, it's, it's going on. But we do share a common bond together because we are brothers and sisters in blue. Mm-hmm. And like I told him, I said, when Reverend, remember Reverend Sung Young Moon? Yeah. yeah, when he used to marry those people, like he had that Didn't big, even know each other, thousands yeah, of people. We just yeah. met that day. <laughs> yeah, and the reason why they, he said you can do that is because we all start from the same beginning. We all know the same thing, and that's almost kind of sort of what happens in the police department you, as well. We you all know that I want your money. <laughs> he <laughs> wanted the money. But there. when you get on the police I actually, department, I actually know one of those couples, and they're still married today. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd love to do a study and see how yeah. many of them are actually. Uh, still alive, but my point is that we we do share a common bond, and yeah, for the most part, like you came in, right? Look at your diversified background: a marine, a cop, not a lawyer, dabbled in politics, music. Most importantly, and, a dad and a grandpa now. Yeah, and here you are, kind of, sort of, and I think for the most part, once again, we agree with our guest. Now, is it that he has he has much more broader I just outlook think- on life than just law enforcement? Yeah, we can't. You can't define people by their professions or their politics. You know, there's so much more to every one of us than than that. You know. But Matt, mm-hmm. you know what's disturbing is today, people won't even want to listen to you if you disagree with them. That's True. disturbing to me. It, it, that never used to but be. But the people that are like that, I find them mostly like progressive liberals. I, I don't, well, it's consumption. Yeah. I think what most part is like what, what we're consuming so much. Yeah. On a daily basis that you have to make your opinion on, on certain things and whatever is of the least value to you, but you feel like you should have some knowledge on it for a lot of people, that's politics. Right. So they'll read a little tidbit, hear something here, and that's my opinion. And that's it. I'm going to well, stick to it. it. They're getting their news in a soundbite and they're not really looking into yeah, it. Yeah, they're not really that. looking to learn anymore. I've made my decision. That's yeah. good. I, I want to go back to watching Game of Thrones. I haven't finished that. <laughs> right. And that's the consumption that I'm talking about. Yeah. So you're not going to change any, you're probably not going to change anybody's mind. Nobody wants to hear any other new information. Only people that are actually, like, legitimately either into politics right. or into social change or right. interested in just, 
you know, politics in general, like the, the, the people have a, they, they're into it. And that, there's not that many people. You know, I don't really give that much. I don't care that much about politics, really. And like, uh, and I know the younger people. My son just graduated college. He was in a frat. My daughter's in a sorority. They, they say some kids talk about it, but it's not like the way we're getting this uh, perception. Like everybody's involved in in politics nowadays. No, it's just because there's a these people have a voice now. Mm. Where you never really cared what they had to say, right. and it's, nobody, you wouldn't go to where. Now, every time you turn on social media, it's in your face. It's in your face. Yeah. It's in your face. Well, I'm I'm very much into politics, and I'll tell you why. I have a nine-year-old son out there, mm -hmm. and I'm worried that he might become cannon fodder mm -hmm. uh, if if things aren't uh, done properly in the world in the next few years. I, mm -hmm. I really, I think the country's in bad shape. I think you have um, you have people at, in the in the these major inner cities that have been run by Democrats for years. Now they're trying to get rid of the um, electoral, electoral college from the Constitution. Mm -hmm. You know, if that happens, then you're going to have a situation where, which is exactly what the founding fathers were afraid of, where you would have these population centers that were filled with people of one type of an opinion mm -hmm. that would be able to control who was running the government. You know, and, and, and I think... All this talk about the Second Amendment concerns me, too, because if there is going to be a, a civil war in this country, that's how it's going to start. It's going to start with a gun grab by the government. Mm -hmm. And if, if these people think that Billy Bob the Marine and Joe Bob the Navy SEAL, who live in Tennessee and Mississippi, are going to just walk out and hand their guns to an ATF agent, they got another thing coming because that ain't going to happen. You know, you're going to have little Wacos all over the country. Have you seen Colin Quinn's um, uh, red states, blue states? Uh, yes, it's brilliant, isn't it? He's, he's it's brilliant. It's it's so poignant. He's so on point. He's actually and, a buddy of mine. I, Colin and I. We yeah. done, I've done a couple of shows with him. I it's up great. It's great. You definitely, definitely have to see it. And what he said about the Civil War, yeah. and how it's not it's not a bad idea at all. We're almost there. We're at divide a country. Why not just do it? <laughs> just do it. We don't have to have the war. Let's just divide the country, yeah. red states and blue states, and let's have it. You move accordingly where you are, or you suck it up and you right. shut up. Because one side wants all the money. Right. 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 <laughs> exactly. The and they the control. Well, I, I don't know money. who that side. Uh, it's going to be. Yeah. 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 Well, when you hear this whole thing about everything should be for free, you know, right. yeah. free college. I mean, when I hear people say, oh, we, sh we should pay everyone's student loan. Yeah. I worked three jobs to put my kids through college. Yeah. yeah what happens really, to me? Like, yeah. if, if you, we were going to do I that. I the same thing. Yeah. I'm not going to stop another well, parent. I don't want to pay my But then I want a tax break. I, I want to be able to go to, to show in my taxes that I paid for four years of college, two years for my son, two years for my daughter. And I want a tax break on that. No, if you're going to goes to a SUNY and owes eighty grand, something's wrong there. You shouldn't. <laughs> you should be working full time and going to school part time. Easy, That's easy. It was, it was thirty six grand, and it was only twelve credits. No, it's twenty two thousand dollars. Point is this: <laughs> it's twenty two thousand dollars a year to go to a SUNY, and if you, you got to borrow eighty for your over your. I got to wrap years, this up, man. You know. I'm sorry to say that. Uh, well, I was just getting end. started. I was just getting heated. I know. I could tell <laughs> you're chomping at the bit over there. Don't, but, don't um, get him started on the French. Uh, don't even go, go there. That's right. <laughs> uh, we got to wrap this up because I got a, another appointment to get to. But this was a wonderful episode. Two episodes that I know. I'm so proud that uh, that. That Bill I know gets people these, like yeah. Monty. <laughs> Bill gets these great guests. Well, I brought my I brought my fiance down to Lucy's Day of comedy. And uh -huh. he was That's there. where I met. And, him. and we really enjoyed it. You know, it was uh -huh. a lot of fun. And, 
Well, well, well like that, that, wait that, that, see that's the an event off the cuff we'll, show, and we'll, we'll have be in touch. There was that kid that night who was talking about giving people giving him money, and I was throwing him dollar bills yeah, yeah, off the balcony. Yeah, he was great. Uh, yeah, he was, he was and, good. Uh, so I, I threw him like three bucks off the balcony, uh, you know? yeah. and uh, he rolled with it. He made it, he made it into very funny. Tomas Delgado, yeah. great guy. Yeah, yeah I know so, him. I like him. Uh, good during guy. the intermission, I see him in the stairway. I, I, I grab him and I say, "Give me my three dollars." Well, Bill, any parting words? Uh, I just want to ask Monty if he would uh, come back on the show in the future because he was a great guest. Yeah, I, don't we want to I don't think we, I don't think we covered it all. No, we didn't. I, oh, I'd be happy to do it. This was a, a tremendous amount of fun. Yeah, I'm fascinated by, by your opinions. Made a new friend. Yeah, definitely, man. Thank you <laughs> yeah. so much. Thank you so much for coming through. And thank you for the song, by the way. And that oh. is an invitation that we, we really um, I'm yeah, very serious like about. Open the show on yeah, the, that. Yeah, I will come and do it. That would I'll be beautiful. I think that would be a great tone. And for uh, those um, followers out there, don't forget, September 21st, Lucy's Lounge in Pleasantville, New York. We're going to be having a show there. It's going to be a live recording, and then we're going to be following it up with a comedy show. Andrew, the engineer, is going to be on there. Hopefully, he'll be wearing some open-toe shoes. All right, so you guys can see what I'm always staring at, his feet. And um, any parting words, Monty? Just, I'm, I'm just so very proud to be a New York City police officer, and I'm just so very proud to sit in a room with you guys and talk about that work. And, um, you know, they put me in the 4-4 precinct, like, Hall of Fame a couple of years mm -hmm. ago, and I was only on the job for eight years. But, it just, it, but I, I'm, I have a bond with the men, and we just had a big gathering up in uh, Rockland County, like 30, 40 of us got together mm -hmm. at a restaurant. And I, I just love being part of this fraternity, you know, and um, I feel very, very blessed. I, I, I'm almost... The day when it came over the sprint machine that I was retired, I, I cried. I sat in the rip office and I cried. And, I, and I, I just couldn't believe that it was actually it was over because I wanted to be a cop since I was a little kid, you know? Yeah, I think it's like almost like um, being an athlete is in a way. Like, look at uh, Andrew Luck, you yeah. know? He'd had to end his career. Except yeah. he made 97 and million. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was 25,000 when I started. What about you? Yeah. How much? Yeah, around that same. Yeah, 29, I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think mine was like 54 or something. Yeah, 25 like grand to go out and get shot. All right. Well, this has been two phenomenal episodes. I had a great time with you, Monty. Um, we told you about the 21st. And on behalf of Police Off the Cuff, thank you guys for paying attention, for listening, for following us. And can you do us a favor? Can you subscribe to us on Facebook, on, on YouTube? No, yeah, YouTube. If you If you follow us on YouTube or if you're listening um, on Anchor, on Spotify, on iTunes, can you please just do us a favor, find us on YouTube and just hit the subscribe button because that'll help us out a lot to reach a certain number where we can get some advertisement. And in the meantime, uh, we'll be back with, uh, we got a, another really cool episode coming up that we're going to be shooting recording next week and we're excited about that one. But on behalf of Police Off the Cuff, um, we are end the tour. End the tour. Four, four, four. Yeah.